Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. We are nearing the end. Almost. Almost. Yes, Revelation 16. You got it, Jenna. Good job. A couple quick announcements before we jump into this tonight. Again, I appreciate all those that have given towards the impact offerings for the Impact Togo trip coming up here very soon, uh, just less than a week now. Uh, we've collected a lot of money, and I'm very appreciative of that. There's a couple of things still that we are in need of. Uh, we're going to take one final offering on Sunday. Um, one thing, I'm trying to take as many offerings as we can because I want to give the missionary as really big of a check as we can, honestly. Uh, he told me, I think today, that they're still about $5,000 short of buying a new vehicle for while they're over there. So uh, I want to be able to at least at least meet that. So if you haven't given, um, encourage you to give on Sunday. And let's just try to at least, let's try to get another $1,000. That'd be awesome if we can get that for on, on Sunday. And then also, there's just a couple things I need, and I want to just take care of it tonight if we can. I need two pinatas still for this because we're trying to do a lot of things with the kids over there. I think I'm ringing just a little bit, Michael. Uh, two pinatas and then about four or five soccer balls. We'll take them over, like deflated, and then we'll uh, inflate them up over there. So anyone can just kind of take care of that. I need two pinatas. Aaron will do it all. Okay. Two pinatas. Two pinatas. Okay. I need. I need five soccer balls. I will get five soccer balls. Okay. All right. What? He's got 500. He's got 500. $500. 500 okay. Whoa. You saw it. A thousand. We got that taken care of too in one family. What? What did he say? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. All right. So, you guys, what'd you say the soccer balls? You guys gonna get them? One, one, couple. What? The, I, I need the ones that we can stuff candy in. No, no, no. We're gonna do that when we get there. So you got that. So Casey, Natasha, Crystal, you guys got all that covered. No, all right, awesome. Just bring them on Sunday if you can. That would be phenomenal. And all right, anything else? What? Exactly, exactly. Just a cardboard animal. Well, some are already some are already pre-filled. Um, Amanda, you got something you're going to take care of? Okay. Oh, just applauding. And again, we're going to take one more special offering, and let's you know it'd be awesome if we can get another thousand dollars, because I'd love to be able to give them five six thousand um, dollars. I think we were able to give the Woodfins like four thousand last year, which was a huge blessing to them. So it'd be awesome if we can do at least, if not more. Uh, the same for the, this trip. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, I know um, some of the kids were excited. We had Brother Napper come here and, and do chapel today. So he was telling some stories of, of what they eat. They ate a lot of insects over there. Like that's their dessert. Rats, bats. So Justin's going to be our guinea pig. And we're going we're gonna to make sure he tries them all to blindfold them. All right. Yeah. Is this American or is this Togoian? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll post some videos with that. All right. I, I appreciate the ones that have kind of pitched in right now. And again, encourage you to, to give on Sunday. I know we'll, we'll be giving as well. 
Um, you can still give through the app, just through the impact portion of that. That would be phenomenal. All right, Revelation chapter 16. Uh, I want to give kind of a preview, not a preview, but kind of go back to chapter 15, because really 15 and 16 are all together. They're combined and really should have just done one lesson, one long lesson, but we kind of split it up uh, to kind of for sake of time. Uh, but before I kind of go back to chapter 15, I think I have it, guys, for, for the screen, for the slides. Um, I don't know if I have it in your notes or not. I think I do. But when you, when you study the, the, the three sets of judgments here in Revelation, you have the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bull judgments. So if you don't have it, just throw it up there, guys, if you would. So in the seal judgments in Revelation 6, verse 1 through chapter 8, verse 5, it talks about the conquest, the warfare, uh, the famine, the poverty, death to a quarter of the population at that time martyrdom, earthquakes, uh, introduction, because remember the first two sets of judgment, the seventh of each introduces the next set. So then after the seal judgments introduces the trumpet judgments, we get to the trumpet judgments and then we have hail and fire in that first one, which it really, it ruins a third of vegetation. Uh, we have a meteor shower, which ruins a third of the sea life killed. And, th and remember this as we get to the bull judgments, which, which we'll study tonight. Uh, we have the water pollution, which is a third of the water supply is poison. Darkness uh, for a period of time. Demonic locust attack. Uh, demonic uh, hordes. Um, a third of humanity will be killed. Introduction then of the bold judgments. And then what we'll hit on tonight. Uh, I know it's already filled in there, but that's not what your blanks are going to be. So don't try to get ahead of yourself a little bit. Uh, but we also have malignant sores. The first one. Poison seas, which is death to all sea life poison fresh water. So, you know, think about the water supply that we have and that we use not just in America, but around the world. You know, we have fishermen and, and we use the seas for, for trade and for, for food and all, all of the, I mean, oh, I, and we've talked about that before, but I can't even imagine the stench, just the, the unbearable stench, you know, coming from the seas, the ocean, even the land during this time. Humanity is going to be scorched uh, by the sun. There's going to be a widespread darkness and misery a vast military invasion, and then really it, it ends and culminates with the most destructive earthquake of all time, and then hail, which is just insane, the insane amount of hail that, is, that we'll talk about tonight as well. Um, but as we looked at in chapter 15, because it really sets up chapter 16, one thing we have to remember is that it's time to celebrate God's ultimate victory. And this isn't for your notes tonight. This is just, you know, reminding us what we talked about last week that we've been talking about the wrath of God. And finally, the wrath of God will fully be satisfied. It was, in the essence, when Jesus died on the cross, but all of his wrath will finally be satisfied when he finally takes care of sinful humanity that has turned their back time and time again away from their creator. And it, as we, I think we mentioned it last week, it's really heartbreaking when you think about it. All of the times that, that God has given opportunity to repent, to repent, to repent, finally, no more. And we'll even, I think, look at it tonight. I think we looked at it last week. There, there comes a time where he doesn't even talk about it anymore. He doesn't even reference the fact that they failed to repent. It gets, the, it gets so bad that they are so wicked, they are so evil. And, and, and in my mind, I guess maybe because I'm a Christian, but in my mind, I think, how could you experience these devastating plagues, destruction upon the earth, and not look to the heavens, look to God, and cry out and ask for forgiveness. How, how can you not do that? But then you got to go back to the Old Testament. Because did Egypt cry out to God? 
No, they didn't. And God destroyed a lot of them. Pharaoh, uh, when they were, <laughs> the, the ten plagues, <laughs> Pharaoh's heart, the Bible says, was what? Hardened. Hardened against God, against the, the Israelites, against Moses. And then after even the tenth plague, after the death of the firstborn, the death of his son, he goes and chases after him. He still didn't get it. And it kind of helps us understand that it was no different three or 4,000 years ago, and it's not going to be any different whenever the end is, which it could very well be very soon, as we're seeing with everything uh, unfold, not just in America, but around the world. But what we saw last week is that in, in chapter 15, you know, the nations, all the nations will worship. And I just go back to chapter 15, it says, and they sang that, that song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. You know, I referenced a little bit this past Sunday, but we have always had a singing faith, and we'll always have a singing faith for all eternity. And that's one thing that stood out to me time and time again in this study of Revelation, that when you get a view and picture into heaven, you see a lot of worship, right? A lot of worship around the throne. And that's why I enjoy the times that we can come and worship together and sing songs to God and sing praise to God. And it goes back to Habakkuk, which we'll close out this Sunday. And I'm excited about that message. But these people are praising God. Why? For allowing them to endure suffering, allowing them to go through some of the things that they had to go through. And yet some of us, you know, we, we, we're not even going through half a quarter, a portion of what some of these during the end times are going to go through, and yet we can't praise God, and we should praise God. Um, but then, all, again, chapter 15 is all about a celebration, that we should celebrate God's final judgment because His glory, His power is fully going to be on display as, as I mean, just this, this scene as we talked about there at the end of chapter 15, uh, verse number 6, and the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials or bowls full of the wrath of God. Again, just what, what a picture. You know, there's no joking at this moment. This is serious because finally this is what all the saints from all the ages have been waiting for this moment because this is the end. This isn't like, well, the end is, is near. It's, it's near. It's, it's, it's almost there. This is the end. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven angels, the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. And then that leads us into chapter 16, which is where we're going to be tonight. And really the title of the lesson, you know, we've, we've hit on it briefly and we'll hit on it more in the coming weeks. But the battle, that final battle, which really it's not even a battle. It's really just devastation, <laughs> Armageddon, because there's only one side that is truly victorious. It's not like the ones that are coming from heaven, they're going to be defeated, no, no one's going to die. No, <laughs> they're, they're going to utterly destroy and defeat Satan, his minions, his army, the great dragon, the beast from the sea, the beast from the earth, and it's going to be fully and finally over. And that's where we get to in chapter 16. You know, just think about that. Think about everything that has happened thus far. You know, these judgments are unlike any other throughout history. And throughout, throughout the Bible, we've been warned that judgment day is coming. And this eschatological, I can't even say that word, eschatological, es, whatever. 
eschatological day of the Lord is inevitable. It's going to happen. There is no escaping, no getting around it. And what we see, first of all, and really this is the, the main point of this chapter, and we'll read through it here tonight. God will pour out his wrath on judgment day. So if you're taking notes, write that down. God will pour out his wrath on judgment day. Let's go ahead and start reading in verse number one. Follow along if you would. Verse number one of chapter number 16, and then we'll hit on these different seven plagues, these final seven bowls of wrath that are poured out. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials or bowls of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast. So again, it's only those that have the mark of the beast because remember, there are those that have the mark of the Holy Spirit, the mark of Jesus. And we had already referenced those. And I, I truly believe that no Christian can take the mark of the beast. Some people are like, well, it's this vaccination. That's the mark of the beast. No, I don't believe it is. Uh, you will clearly know what, when the mark of the beast is because you won't be able to do anything without it. And that's what it comes down to. You won't be able to do anything. And again, as we see here in just verse number two, that all of this devastation is only going to be poured out unto the ones that have the mark of the beast, whether it be in the right forehead, or, yeah, or not the right forehead, but in their, their right hand or their, their forehead. So again, it's very important to understand the, the, the wording of Scripture. Again, all of those that had the, the image and that worshiped the image of the beast and the, the great dragon, and the first bowl that we see, that God will send disease. Now take notes, that's what it is. God will send disease. And the angel went out to pour out uh, this wrath of God upon this earth. And, and as the angel pours out his bowl, harmful and painful sores fall upon all those who follow and worship the beast. You know, I think of the sores. How many have ever had like a sore or a boil or anything like that? You know, it's not fun. But I mean, this is just, you know, magnified times, however many times you want to magnify it. And again, this is only for unbelievers. And a lot of what we see in Revelation is kind of goes back to the Old Testament and some of the things that we studied there. But this is recalling the sixth Egyptian plague. Turn back there quickly, just for understanding to Exodus chapter number nine. Exodus chapter number nine. Uh, verse number nine, I believe it is, if I have it right. Exodus chapter nine, verse number nine. And it shall come, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace that stood from Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses before because of the boils, this, these sores upon them, for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And then verse number 12, and, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh yet again. Uh, so we, we see it. We see it in, in Job chapter 2. We're not going to turn there, but in Job chapter 2, verse 7, where Satan was allowed to inflict pain and torture upon Job. But again, just, just imagine, imagine this, this, this great disease, these malignant boils and sores that fall upon mankind. I mean, I don't like pain. I don't think there's a lot of people that just like, man, like, let me endure pain and suffering, right? Like, especially boils and sores all over your body. 
You know, I, I think of, um, was it Job that, I mean, no, nothing he did could help. And just imagine that, you know, you're, you're, you're literally trying to cut and scrape them off and, and it's just so painful, so excruciating. That's what's going to fall upon all unbelievers. Again, it's only for unbelievers, which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshiped his image. And that's why I believe that no Christian can take of this, this mark because it's clearly only for unbelievers. And God will have already marked. Again, that's where, that's where you have to understand. Satan is anti-Christ. He is anti-God. Everything that God does, he has to have a counterfeit. So since God has already marked his own, Satan is trying to mark his own. Leads us to the second bowl, verse number three. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. Again, just try to picture this in your mind. And it became as blood of a dead man. Now, we've all seen blood, and just, just imagine that. I mean, the sea is what, like 70% of the ocean? I mean, 70% of the ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rewind. 70% of the Earth's surface, that's what I meant to say, is covered by the oceans and the seas, right? Now, again, kind of goes back to uh, the, the plagues of Egypt where, you know, the Nile River was turned into blood. I mean, that's, that's a very, very large river, long river. But imagine, you know, you're, you're in a cruise ship or, um, you know, you're looking out in the sea, you're looking out in the ocean, all of a sudden it's just red. I mean, that's just insane. And you would know the color of it. It's the color of blood. I mean, definitely you don't want to go swimming in there, anything like that. But, just, oh, just it's a horrible picture when you think about it. And the second and third bowl judgments are very similar. One affects the sea and salt water, and the other affects the fresh water. We've already had some of the seas and the fresh water affected in the second trumpet. And now all of the living creatures within the sea, within the freshwater areas, are going to die. Again, it's, I can't even picture it. I really can't. And I can't even imagine the stench as they're going to come to the surface, right? I mean, I guess if you want to have a quick fish fry, then, you know, hurry up and go get them, right? <laughs> I think really bad. But, you know, think about, think about the fishing industry. No more fishing industry, right? It's all, it's all gone. And when this vial is poured out, it becomes a pool of death and toxic wasteland of water. Just an amazing picture. Leads on to the third bowl. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and they became blood. So we've already got the oceans that are blood. Now we've got all fresh water that is turned into blood as well. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. So in this third, third bowl, this third vial, God will then pollute the waters. Blood follows blood. And again, this recalls the first Egyptian plague, the third trumpet judgment when the wormwood poisoned a third of all fresh water and, and the drought brought on by the two witnesses. Suddenly this third angel breaks into song, uh, much like the song of Moses back in chapter 15, verses three and four, and all the earth dwellers will take note of this. And verse seven provides a, word of confirmation where it says the judgments of the Lord God, the Almighty are true and righteous. 
Back in Genesis 18, it teaches us that the verse says, won't the judge of all the earth do what is just? Well, finally he does. He finally pours out justice and judgment upon an earth that has rejected him. Moves on to the fourth bowl, the fourth vial. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Again, these are intense pictures when you think about it. You know, some people, if they, they stay out on a very, very hot day, they're scorched in the sense of their face, you know, like can't hardly move. I think that was Michael a couple of years ago, uh, like a tomato. You know, many of us have, have experienced those things. You know, you fall asleep on the water, you fall asleep outside, and like, oh, snap. Like, that was not good. But this is, <laughs> this is insane. You know, I don't know a lot about weather, but two things I know. Cold is cold and hot is hot. <laughs> and what we see here in this fourth bowl is that God will torment unrepentant sinners. God will torment unrepentant sinners. As this bowl is poured out upon the sun, the heat of it is increased so much that it scorches the earth with fire. Imagine just fireballs raining from the sun. It's going to seem as if the atmosphere is on fire. You know, that's when true global warming happens, okay? Just wanted to let you guys know. All right, we're not even there yet. You know, this, this type of heat is going to burn up all crops, obviously. It's going to cause droughts, and I'm sure even Antarctica is going to melt. <laughs> Crazy. That's what I just said. That's in, like, extreme global warming. So again, we're not there yet. But in this torment, as we've already seen, they still don't bless God. Verse 9, men were scorched with great heat. And what's it say? They blasphemed the name of God. I mean, fire is raining down on them. And instead of God, save us. No, they're cursing God. Makes a lot of sense, right? They're blaspheming the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they, again, it, it, if, you're, if you're a Christian, this should sadden you. They repented not to give him glory. They still wouldn't repent. They still wouldn't call out to the only redeemer, the only true lamb of God. Verse number 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. And yet again, blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. Now, they, they could do something to eliminate their pain and sore, right? Just have to call upon the name of the Lord. But they still won't. They blaspheme the God of heaven, verse 11, because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. So the fifth, fifth bowl is this, that God will, will destroy the kingdom of Antichrist. God will destroy the kingdom of Antichrist. Verse 10 tells us that this only encompasses the kingdom of the beast. Again, this is reminiscent of the fifth trumpet, also the ninth plague. This is not worldwide darkness. This is only the beast, his throne, his kingdom are affected. You know, there will be light for the world, but darkness reigns at the headquarters of the beast. So this is going to be fully and completely demoralizing. You know, we think about darkness, usually most of us haven't experienced complete darkness. 
You know, there's, I mean, you can go in a place and, you know, really, you know, block out all light and you understand what I'm saying. But most of the time when we're even in the dark, there's still light, right? There's still light somewhere. You know, you think about it, you know, turn out the lights at your house and you have all the blinds shut and everything like that. But eventually your eyes adjust and, you know, you can see. But complete darkness, you can't see anything. You can't see anything around. You can't even see the hand in front of your face. So again, this is going to be demoralizing because the beast, the Antichrist, they have had control of the evil men upon the earth, but they can't control God. They can't control nature. And this darkness is not really just a physical darkness, but it's also spiritual, bringing with it, I mean, think about the depression that's going to come <laughs> and all sorts of evil attacks on the mind. You know, even Christ predicted this. Jesus predicted this back in Mark 13, where he says, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. There is no light that's coming down. And again, this, this evokes such emotional anguish that people engage in self-mutilation by gnawing their own tongues. Please don't try it. It's just disgusting. But this indicates that the relief from the heat will soon produce an exasperating, frustrating darkness. And again, we don't know exactly like how quick these things happen. Again, John doesn't say like, all right, after three days, second one's going to come. All right, three months, the third one. We, we don't know. I mean, it could literally be bam, 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 bam. But whatever it is, it's just one thing after another. There is no letting up. You know, we think like, man, 2021 is not as good as 2020, but it's, that doesn't even, you know, take the cake. These judgments just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. You know, the, you know, we may forecast that human ingenuity in, in producing electricity may solve the problem, but you also have to remember all the water supply is gone. And the water supply sometimes helps with electricity, right? So you can't just produce electricity because God has shut that down. There's nothing. Your generators aren't going to work. People are going to be incapable of continuing to draw electrical power and illumination because of the, flood, or the, the rivers and the bodies of the water being turned into blood. In that phrase in verse number 11 where it says, God in heaven, it's from Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, and it speaks of the God who sovereignly destroys the false kingdoms of this world to establish his own rightful kingdom. Daniel 7 tells us that the kingdom is given to the Son of Man, to Jesus, not to the beast. And these judgments are supernatural, and everyone will know where they come from. And yet still, they blaspheme. They curse his holy name. And I was thinking about it. I wrote this down. Really, this scene would be reminiscent of a child cursing their parents while they're being spanked for their disobedience. I mean, think about that. A child has clearly disobeyed their parents, and there's punishment that goes with it, and Maybe the child is getting spanked or punished. And while they're getting spanked or punished, they're cursing their parents. Now, it's just a small picture of what's going to be happening to God. Cursing, blaspheming in the name of God. And, and, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but this is the final time that mankind would not repent. The day of grace is now gone. Mercy, judgment, neither of them changed the heart of sinful humanity. The sixth bowl, let's continue on. Verse number 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are 
the spirits of the devils working miracles, which go forth into the king of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle, to the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered uh, them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And the sixth bowl is this, that God will gather his enemies for a final battle. And we'll talk more about this in weeks to come, but the sixth angel pours out this bowl upon the great river Euphrates. And the sixth bowl comes in two parts. Part one is this, it's the drying up the Euphrates River which will be a preparation for the battle of the great, and, you know, the great God Almighty. The second part is the tremendous demon force that will bring rebellious armies of the world to this valley of Megiddo for the purpose of opposing the Lord. The drying up the Euphrates served as an eastern border to Palestine and served as a natural barrier against the armies of the world. It's, an eight, it's 1,800 miles long and has been the lifeblood of what is known as the Fertile Crescent. And this is where Armageddon takes place. The kings of the east, which is a sizable army, marches across with the king of kings. And these forces will be joined in the, bat- in the valley of Megiddo by huge armies from all over the world, or whoever is remaining. You know, even Napoleon said that this is the most ideal natural battlefield in the world. And the kings of the east is likely going to include places like Asia, you know, Places like China has, you know, billions of people there. But the fact that the rise of Asia has occurred in the 20th century, you know, should help us understand that some, I think probably some of the kings of the East are coming from there. But in verse number 15, it tells us that Christ again tells all the surviving believers to be alert, to watch because this is coming as a thief in the night. And this indicates that many will be caught by surprise. Even with all of the devastation, they still don't know. Even though they have their, they still might have a Bible and they can read some of the stuff that's going to happen, they still don't know when it's going to happen. And really the challenge for us tonight is to always be alert, to always live our lives on mission. Because if you're saved, you're not going to have to go through this, you're not going to have to endure this. But at the same time, we should always be alert because we don't know when Christ is going to rapture us up. We don't know when we're going to go to heaven. Leads us to the seventh bowl, the final bowl here. Verse number uh, 17, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done it's it it's finished and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth and we've seen some amazing earthquakes in history but nothing like this so mighty an earthquake and so great that the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And this is astounding. Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Imagine all the mountains gone. And I love going to Colorado to see the mountains. They're gone. Everest, it's gone. (laughs) All the islands, they're gone. So in the seventh bowl, what we see is that God give sinners what they deserve. And again, there are similarities with with things that we have talked about thus far. But again, God speaks from the throne room of heaven and says, it is done, it's complete. And verse 19 tells us that this great earthquake divides the great city. Many believe this is Jerusalem, 
But I believe it's referencing the spiritual Babylon and, and the system of the world. Babylon has fallen completely, which we're going to allude to in the next couple chapters when, when we talk about the great whore, the great harlot is finally fallen. Verse number 20, it's a simple statement. Every island fled away and the mountains were not found. You know, again, this recalls the cosmic disturbance of the sixth seal. And this cosmic storm of God's wrath finally reaches a climax and culmination with the hailstones. Verse 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Now, I've, I've been in some hailstorms, but nothing like this. Every stone about the weight of a talent, I'll describe that in just a minute, how, how big that is, and men blaspheme God because of the plague of hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. Just, oh. you know, we, we've seen hail in our time before. We've seen hail in Bible times. Uh, back in Joshua chapter 10, where God destroyed the armies that they were against. Ezekiel chapter 38. I did some digging. The heaviest recorded hailstone in history that we know of, the heaviest, there might be heavier ones, but the heaviest recorded one was in Bangladesh in April of 1986. Anyone have any idea how heavy they were? Yes, Violet? About how, 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 many, how many pounds? How many pounds do you think? Ethan, you have any idea? What? 28,000. No, no. Two, two and a half pounds roughly. 2.25 to two and a half pounds, which you're like, oh, it's not that big, but falling from heaven? I mean, that's pretty, pretty large. You know, they estimated some of those to be the size of pumpkins back in 1986. Now, that's, that's, that's a big ball of, you know, uh, ice. Yeah, thank you. Couldn't think of what the word was. Big ball of something. But nothing compared to this. Now, where it says they weighed about a talent, that means they're going to weigh between 110 and 125 pounds each. So, uh, ain't no dodging that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyone weigh, anyone want to say that they weigh that? Ryan, you weigh that? Oh, okay. So imagine throwing a bunch of errands from the sky, <laughs> falling down on humanity. <laughs> or whoever weighs 110 to 125 pounds. 115, all right. Imagine throwing a bunch of Kevins from the sky. I mean, oh. <laughs> That's good. That's good, Ryan. So even the heaviest, let me finish, even the heaviest in history, it's going to be magnified by like 50 times when he gets a revelation. So whatever is remaining on earth is going to be pulverized. And the most tragic thing is that they still failed to repent. Even with their last dying breath, they still failed to repent and they still blasphemed God. And it all boils down to this, really even for us today. Will you believe or will you blaspheme? Will you confess or curse his name? Will you repent or continue to rebel? And again, we, we are given revelation to know what's coming, but at the same time, the application for Christians today is to live in light of eternity. To know what is coming, so live in light of what is coming. Repent now, change your ways, and live for God, live on mission. And as we close the key truth of this chapter, and again, it 
I mean, some of the things that we'll talk about in the next couple chapters, just, just awesome, just amazing. But God is, again, directing history to the point where his glory, his majesty will be on full display. No one will be able to say, well, I, I don't know if there is a God out there. They'll know. Only a, the, the true, the living God, the sovereign Lord of all creation can do what he has done. And the earth, as we know it, is no more. It's gone. And that's what we're leading to. And that's why, as, as a Christian, again, we have to do our, our part. And we have to continue to. It's like, you know, Napper was talking about today. He's like, you know, I, I'm anxious about this trip and going because we're going to be going to, to new villages and new places. And, and his goal is to try to, you know, at least be able to, to reach out to maybe at least a thousand people while we're there. I don't know how many will receive the gospel, but he's like, what we're trying to do, we're trying to snatch people out of hell. That's a great analogy. And that's what we have to do on a continual basis. And he, he tried to encourage our, our school kids today that, you know, as he's going over there to Africa and Togo and Ghana and Burkina Faso, you know, he's got a job to do, but we have a job to do here. And really, it's our job to try to snatch people out of hell, to, to tell them the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is victorious. No matter what's going on in the world, Jesus reigns supreme, and he's in charge of it all. And we have to, again, take, take hope in the fact that he's in control. Next week, I won't be here. The week after, I won't be here. But when I get back, <laughs> chapter 17. What? Miss Amanda will be here, so she'll do chapter 17, right? The great whore, the great harlot. I'm not talking about Amanda. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it says. Look, chapter 17, verse number one. Yeah. This is Bible. Look. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. 17.1. I'm not making it worse. My goodness. I'm just saying. That's the next lesson. I was not referencing that to my wife. Calm down, people. That's what it was. There was a pause. There's a large pause there. Right there. We can make sure it pauses out a long time. Anyway, let's... I don't feel like I did anything wrong because I referenced her. I said she'll be here. Then I was saying what she'll be talking about because that's the next lesson. Exactly. It's all right. I, I like to keep digging. It's all good. Michael, soon-to-be-married man, pray for us in close.